Quiet on the set. We're about to start. Ready? <clears throat> hey, Jalen's asking about the potluck lunch, so be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, good morning. Thank you for logging on to Facebook and our live stream service uh, for Christ Church. Uh, please check in. Let us know you're here. We've got folks that are monitoring the feeds, and they'll, they'll actually help uh, with your questions and the counsel and the wisdom that you share through your gifts once we work through the text in Romans 15. Uh, some announcements I want to share. Today, uh, we have a baptism celebration at Galen and Tammy Perkins, and it's going to be beautiful. Um, I, I want to clarify how we're going to do lunch, and it's not going to be a potluck. It's going to be uh, bring your own lunch. So bring your own sack lunch, bring your drinks, and also bring a lawn chair. And we're, we're going to meet poolside. It'll be out in the open air, and it's absolutely gorgeous weather. So I want you to be a part of that. Little kids are welcome to come and swim. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just a perfect time to do that. We're going to celebrate the, the journey of faith that two people have begun and celebrate that as they want to honor the Lord's command to be baptized. It's not an option. It is absolutely something essential for the disciple, the follower of Jesus Christ. So that's going to be at noon today at Galen and Tammy Perkins. You can go to our website to learn more about that. Now, June 21, we're scheduled to open our church, our grand reopening, June 21, 10 a.m. And we're going to be practicing uh, appropriate safety protocols and social distancing and all the guidelines that are appropriate at this time. Uh, you know, should phase two roll out by then, that may be altered. But at this point, we're going to be following guidelines uh, as is uh, recommended for us. Now, to get ready for that, by the way, we're going to have a volunteer cleaning day on Saturday, June 20, 9 a.m. If you want to help get the church ready, we're going to do a deep clean and make sure that we're, we're prepped and ready to receive everybody on June 21. 10 a.m. So also, uh, Christ Church, get ready to have the Lord's Supper together, okay? Uh, get your elements ready, and we'll do that toward the end of the teaching. And then again, please, please think through, pray through the text with me from Romans 15 and how you can give counsel and wisdom to the body of Christ at Christ Church and the friends that may be listening around the U.S., and uh, specifically how this is going to apply to what's going on in our nation regarding Black Lives Matter, regarding the work of Antifa, regarding the obligations of government, and, and how we as a nation uh, need to learn how to treat each other and how to care for one another, our relationships. These are very deep and very complex issues, but we do, I believe with all my heart, and I am I am fully convinced that what I'm telling you is truth. That the only thing that can cure what is broken inside the human heart is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's absolutely critical and essential that we submit ourselves to Jesus in his ways on how we relate to people, on how we treat people. So I want you to... Um, to begin to really kind of own this thing and get ready because toward the end we are going to be uh, going live with your counsel, your advice, 
and how we live this out, the nethetics, the advice of how we live out the teaching of, of God's Word, okay? So I want to begin by praying, and, and then I'm going to read from the text of Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, Abba, Father, uh, it is a gift and a privilege to be a part of this right now. Thank you for the people, the body of Christ here at Christ Church, their love, their faithfulness, and this journey of faith. Uh, would you get our hearts ready to receive the truth, to have hearts that are are tender towards you, ready to obey? And I, I, I thank you for the way your love and your grace have been made real to all of us right now. Um, Father, prepare us, please, and I ask that you work quickly and deeply in our land, in this nation, regarding race, regarding justice, regarding how we care for each other as people, regarding responsibility. Uh, please bless Abba Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Christchurch, please log on. Let us know you're here. Uh, that would mean uh, so much to me. All right, Romans chapter 15, and I want to begin reading at verse 1, but we're going to really focus on 7 to 13. So to get the backstory. We're going to pick up at verse 1. So this is what Paul writes. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. That's a very Pauline idea, and you can hear an echo of this in Philippians 2. We don't need to just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Uh, a quick comment. I need hope, all right? I deeply need hope. Our nation needs hope. Verse 5, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. That's a critical idea. Do we have the ability to gain a sense of intellectual unity, to be of the same mind in Christ Jesus, to be found in him, so that with one accord you may be with one voice, with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now verse 7, Therefore, he just mentions these things, the God who gives perseverance and encouragement with one voice. We are united. We give glory to God. Therefore, because of that, accept, proslambano, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God, to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles 
to glorify God for his mercy. Gentiles, to glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. I need hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's look at verse 7. This is where Paul begins to teach the Romans after thoroughly covering, covering teachings about the strong and the weak and how these there was a great division in the churches of Rome. Some of the divisions were based on food laws, on diets. Uh, those who were strong thought it was just fine to eat a roast that was sacrificed at a local pagan temple. For example, if you went to Kroger and you picked up a pot roast and it had a special sticker on the package that says, this pot roast was sacrificed to the god Zeus who blesses and loves all of us. This is a Zeus pot roast. Hope you enjoy. Would you buy that pot roast if you're a Christian? Sacrifice to a pagan god, to Zeus, for example, or a local or regional god in this era of Rome. Well, some of the strong Christians said, yes, of course. It's just a pot roast. It's just uh, meat. There's no such thing as Zeus. That's just, an, uh, you know, that's Greek mythology. It's just something imaginary to kind of teach Greek Hellenistic wisdom. That's all it is. So there's no Zeus, eat the meat and enjoy it. But then the weak were saying, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You can't share in the table of pagan cultic practices. You can't eat that roast. No. And so those who said you can and those who said you can't really butted head, heads with strong disagreements, and it began to create division in the churches, so much so that it began to upset the unity in the churches. This also included calendaring in certain days, pagan holidays, Christian holidays, and the Sabbath, and those who said you have to observe the rules on this day, and they change on that day, and the weak and the strong were, were arguing back and forth. And here we go. Uh, sometimes it doesn't take much for Christians to start arguing about lesser things. Okay? That's the backstory. So Paul writes in verse 7, Therefore, accept proslambano. Proslambano, is a, it's an imperative verb. It's in the middle voice, which means, if I could translate into literal English, it would be something like this. For your own sake, for your own health, your own benefit, I'm commanding you to, to accept one another, or, or maybe even literally to welcome one another. Paul is probably hinting at, at table fellowship meal, sharing a meal together, proslambano, to welcome, to show hospitality, for your own sake, middle voice, 
for your own sake, learn to accept people. Learn to accept them at the table. It's actually healthy for you. It's healthy emotionally. It's healthy spiritually. And it's healthy for your walk with, with Jesus. Accept them. And look at what he says, kathos. Just as Christ welcomed you at his table. All right. Now I want you to know something very simple. It's just a brief comment. I want you to get this. If I could translate it literally from the Greek text, it, was re- it would read like this. Therefore... Welcome one another for your own sakes, just as the Christ also for his own sake. That's a middle voice verb as well. Just as the Christ accepted us to the glory of God. The definite article is there, the Christ. Why? Why did Paul insert uh, the, the language, the Christ? Because it's Paul's saying this is his title. This is a title. Um, he is a Messiah. And when, he, when Paul says, you should accept people because of how Christ has accepted you, Paul is, Paul is saying this in very intense language. Your Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Christ, the holy anointed Messiah of God, he has accepted you. All right? How much more should we reflexively accept one another? Now, please appreciate this. They're both middle voice verbs. In other words, accept one another for your sake. It's healthy. It's good for you spiritually. It's good for your relationships. Just as Christ, for his own health, accepted us to the glory of God. Okay, I want to pause there just for a minute, and I want you to know something. Jesus Christ loves you and accepts you, not because he has to, based on some mechanical, impersonal, robotic kind of uh, mandate given to him. He actually loves you, and for his own sake, He accepts you because he loves you. That is beautiful language. That's the language of relationships and the language of love. Christ doesn't accept you because he has to. Because if he he doesn't, God's going to be really angry at him. He accepts us. He accepts me. He accepts you because he loves us. And Paul said, that's enough for me and for you to learn to accept and welcome each other regardless of religious differences regarding food laws, regardless of religious differences regarding calendar and holy days and unholy days, regardless of skin color, regardless of differences that would separate lesser people, we as followers of Jesus should accept each other. And so Paul develops his why, verse 8, for I say that Christ, as a man, has become a servant, a deacon, diakonos. He's become a deacon serving to the circumcision to the Jews on behalf of the truth of God to confirm or make real or prove the promises given to the fathers. Who are the fathers? Abraham, for example. And Paul now strings together uh, promises of why we should appreciate 
this amazing welcoming at the table of Jesus Christ. For Paul says, and for the Gentiles, in order for them to glorify the God of mercy, they must be accepted by God. So Paul's point is they are. The Gentiles have been accepted through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Gentiles get to participate in this receiving of the mercy of God. As it is written, I, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles. Uh, I will sing to your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his, with his people, Jews and Gentiles worshiping God, the God of heaven, together. And again, praise the Lord of Please praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, not some of you, all of you, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, there shall come from the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles hope. Paul is using Old Testament texts to prove to Jewish-minded people that through Christ, Gentiles are included in this thing called the gospel, the good news that grace and mercy are found through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to appreciate something, all right? I know you well, Christ Church. And please don't scroll off right now. Please stay with me. Listen to this. Some of you think that your being welcome to the table is a conditional thing. The idea that you have to somehow rise up and live to the expectations of Jesus, it's almost like you have to complete some discipleship moral catechism course. And once you have done that, now you're welcome. Now you're welcome to the table because you meet the code. You're in compliance. That is not at all what this is about. Not at all. Christ accepts us and welcomes us as flawed people. In fact, he welcomes us even though we are profoundly different from him in absolutely every possible aspect. And he still loves us and still accepts us. So Paul writes in Romans 5 that God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Remember I shared last Sunday that for, for, for a Christian, what we get from God, we give to others. What we receive from God, we pass on to others. This is exactly what Paul is saying in verse 7. Therefore, for your own sake, accept one another, just as the Christ has accepted us to the glory of God. And now finishes, uh, Paul finishes the, the paragraph in verse 13 with a kind of prayer, a kind of wish and hope that these things would be made real to the church. And he says, now... May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Let's make a point here. Joy and peace have everything to do with faith. 
that you would have joy and peace in believing so that you would abound, and that's a term of abundance, you would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is indwells every believer. And one of the great ways that we, we grow and mature as disciples is when we learn to live in the power of the Holy Spirit who wants to teach us and equip us and give us wisdom and counsel us and empower us to do uh, the will of God, to literally become like Jesus. Christ Church, this is the teaching of his word. You are the body of Christ. I want you to take ownership of this, this, and I want you can text a question right now, post a question on Facebook. You can begin to take ownership on how this is lived out. How does this apply to the horrific racial tension that's in our nation right now? And, and for some, hate has become unbridled and uh, uh, being gestured in the most horrific ways. I have, I have friends uh, who are protesting. I have friends who are in law enforcement and the tensions are horrific. And uh, I, I saw video footage of two cops in uh, northern Arkansas shoving a 75-year-old guy down. Uh, absolutely unnecessary. An unnecessary use of physical force. Absolutely. This is the stuff that's got to stop. Uh, unbridled anger, unbridled hate. Whether it's driven racially, because we think one skin tone is better than the other skin tone, or, or just hate, or, or we just hate be, you know, bad people, mean people. And, and we're, we're sick and tired of what we believe to be poorly developed character and moral code. Uh, that doesn't justify anger. It doesn't justify temper tantrums and outbursts. The question is begged by Paul here, that we as Christians learn to get along, and we do so, we treat others the way we are treated, taken straight from the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 7. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Now, let's be very clear here, and I don't want to, to, for you to miss this. In Romans 15, 7 to 13, Paul is certainly talking about how Christians get along with Christians. He's not talking about how Christians get along with long uh, non-believers in the outside world. But the principles still apply. And Paul is deriving this from Matthew 7. Treat it, Matthew 5. How do you respond to your enemies? How do you respond to people that are profoundly different to you? It's all in the Sermon on the Mount. We're to be the light of the world. We're to be the salt of the earth. By the way, Isaiah chapter 6 Verses 1 to 3, Paul, uh, or Isaiah's teaching that Israel is to be a light to the nations so that all people, Gentiles, could see the light and be drawn to God. That's why we're to be the light of the world. So these things really do matter. And even, I know there are some people, some people, super high emotions, low thinking, high feeling, and they can, they can have an anxiety attack, a panic attack over this stuff, and they can believe our nation is falling apart, our nation is burning. No, it's not. No, it's not. America's not that weak. Be encouraged. 
America is not that weak. Our spine is still in place, okay? We have places, though, where we're, sh- we're seeing unbridled hate and racism, and that has got to stop. And it will. I, I, I have hope that, that believers and people in this nation with good hearts and good minds who understand concepts of kindness and mercy will rise to the occasion. And we're going to see the change that we need, okay? Change has got to start in us, right? If it doesn't happen in the heart, it doesn't happen in the home, it's not going to happen on planet Earth. And that in itself is a very, very biblical idea that Christ can heal our hearts. So Christ Church, how do we take ownership of this? That as we have been accepted by Christ, shown hospitality at the table, we in turn show hospitality and accept one another, both for our own benefit. It's just healthy to learn to get along with people. All right, Stephen, do we have any comments? Uh, Anybody here at, at, at church who are live? want to give a comment or question about Romans 15 and the impact on our relationships. As we are accepted, we show acceptance. Anybody? I think... uh, Yes, Rick. ...when you were talking about this being how we relate to one another within the church. Yeah. Yeah, the extension of that is is that the people in the outside world will be looking at how we treat one another. Yeah, you know, it's not just you know what we're doing with one another, and that's important. Yeah, but yeah. The, you know, when you talk about when Paul, not Paul, but when Jesus talks about you know being that light, you know, the light to the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, Thank you, Rick. When we want to see how relationships with one another, race relationships, yeah. relationships yeah. with people who are different from us. Yeah. Well, how do we treat each other yeah. within the confines of the church? Yeah. Yeah. And be that example. Yeah, that's so good, Rick. Thank you. It's so good. And and Rick, I know you know this. This is where we as church attenders, right, churchgoers, this is where our kids learn this stuff. Right? And little kids learning in church with mom and dad and practicing that at home, and then taking it to school with them. I mean, this is how we're going to help heal when we learn the skills of acceptance and how to honor people who are very different than us or maybe very similar to us. How we learn to get along with each other is reflected at the dinner table, reflected in the congregation. Our little children learn this stuff. Uh, You know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, right? Kids learn this at home. They take it to school, and we can see we can see healing. Uh, I, I had a Holy Spirit moment yesterday. Uh, it was hot yesterday. Beautiful day, but really hot. And uh, I had come in from some time at the church, and uh, I looked up, and our mail, a mail carrier was just going through the neighborhood, and I know this guy's hot, and he's sweating. And I just said, ah. I want to bless that dude. So I, I got inside my, my fridge and got this ice-cold, delicious peach sparkling, you know, drink, a sparkling seltzer water. And I ran over and I said, hey, I know you're hot. This is ice-cold. Can I please give this to you? Would you want it? And he said, thank you so much. And we chatted for a moment. And um, 
It was beautiful. It was healthy. I needed to do that. It was good for me, and I certainly hope it was healthy. Uh, talked to two of my friends at Kroger where I shop, and Jimmy and a guy named Julius. And, and it was just a beautiful, healthy conversation. And, um, yeah, we've got to accept each other. Someone else, Stephen, anybody online that you want to share? Philip Deere says, I have a hope that every believer should be able to meet together in love and worship God freely due to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Isolation and fear are the tools of the enemy. We must continue to be open and share our lives with fellow brothers and sisters. Yeah. Philip, you're right. Isolation and fear are tools of the enemy. And by the way, fear is an emotion, okay? It's a hormone. And when fear takes over, we lose our ability to rationalize to think clearly and when fear is exploited things can get out of hand very very quickly and so um, thank you Philip for what you've shared someone else stay with us on this text Romans 15 specifically 7 to 13 anybody else Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Barbara, um, I want to tell you a story that I heard a couple days ago. Uh, A police officer uh, that I love and respect, who has been working tremendous hours and is exhausted. God has really kind of opened the eyes on this cop. And this cop said, you know, some time ago, I thought Black Lives Matter was really about a movement to hate cops. That's what he said you know, a couple years ago. And he said, Chris, I was wrong. That's not what it's about. It's about recognizing and confronting racial injustice. It's not about hating cops, you know. And this is a white police officer, by the way. And when I heard that, uh, it made me happy that this thing isn't just about hating a few cops. Oh, by the way, uh, Antifa is in Little Rock. That's, that's obvious. And there's going to be people like Antifa that are going to be fear mongers, and they're going to be exploiting fear, this primal emotion that we all have. And, and, that's, and the media knows that. They're going to feed on that. Uh, in that process, we, we risk, and I agree with, with Candace Owens, Larry Elder, and a, a bunch of people, that fear is going to get us way off course and we're going to miss the point. And the point is, when we see injustice, we are morally obligated to confront that and deal with it and correct it. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus as reported in the Gospels, Jesus confronted injustice wherever he went. 
if he's the, the remember the woman that was caught in adultery. By the way, that was all a setup. That whole thing was a setup. Um, but it was an example of an of a, a woman victimized by these this religious system uh, was going to experience injustice, and Jesus fought for her, or a little boy, uh, or a leper. Any concept of injustice uh, on the social level in the Gospels, Jesus hit it head on, you know. And if we're Jesus followers, we should do the same thing. And that is the whole point, that when we see injustice, for whatever, I don't care if it's about being poor, I don't care if it's about being black, being white, it, it doesn't matter. When there's injustice, we must confront it and deal with it. Now, all the more, if it happens to be that expressions, expressions of injustice tend to be targeted most often toward blacks, all the more reason to confront that and deal with it. Uh, we, cannot, we cannot let injustice uh, happen. We can't turn to bl a blind eye. We can't turn a blind eye to injustice, no matter where it's coming from in all of its form, forms, whether it's to, to, Jerry, a, a, abortion. Yeah, the most innocent person on planet Earth is a baby in a mother's womb, and, and we have to protect the unborn. We have to protect the aged, the geriatric. We, we have to protect everybody in between those two things, from birth to death. Life is sacred, and we have to protect all people. Uh, and, and Rick, you're right. It, it begins with us. It begins at home. It's in the church, and it's it's what our children learn, and they take it to to school. Uh, it's beautiful. Someone else, Stephen. I realized that was a very long comment. Um, Stephen. Sure. Uh, Lisa Huff kind of gets just hey, right to Lisa. the point of it. She says uh, we must listen to others with an open heart and open mind and respect them just as you want them to res uh, just as you want respect from them. Yeah. Randy Sharp had asked how the Holy Spirit is involved in our responses, and he responded to that by saying Paul's letters to the churches in Galatia, um, in chapter 5, 16 through 17, and Ephesus, chapter 6, 10 through 18, also explains how the power of the Holy Spirit will work in us and through us to provide peace in this situation. Philip Deere replying to Randy says, great question. I think the Holy Spirit is the still small voice that empowers and encourages us to do the right thing. Holy Spirit is also our lens to see the world as God sees, especially mm -hmm. in this season. I know the Holy Spirit is intentionally giving us opportunities to love, uh, love others. I also mm -hmm. believe my spiritual maturity and continuing pursuit of Jesus should be accredited to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrea Allison writes, or excuse me, under Andrea's account, Justin writes, uh, Romans 15 <laughs> reminds us that welcoming each other is not a zero-sum game where one party gains and another loses as we sacrifice to welcome others as Christ has welcomed us. We do not lose, we gain Christ. We gain the grace that God wants to give us. We gain our brothers and sisters. We align ourselves with the gospel for God's kingdom's mission. Hmm. And then Sue Nelson says, we have to step out of our comfort zone and uh, be lined up with the cross to make a difference. Hmm. Difference. Thank you, Sue Nelson. Thank you. Thank you, Sue, for the way you love all people. Uh, and I know you miss Lydia, and I do too. Thank you. Thank you, Philip, for what you shared. 
Uh, Justin, I know, is a New Testament scholar uh, specializing in Pauline studies. Uh, you know the depth. You have, you have plumbed the depths of Romans 14 and 15. I've seen your research and your writing. And it's true. This isn't about one side losing and the other side gaining. It's not that at all. It's both sides gaining something sacred and beautiful, and that is unity. Uh, let me try to get this down to, a, to a, very, a, a very sharp point or a very specific point, and that is this. Uh, ha have there been situations in your family around the dinner hour or something, or, or, or have you ever had a situation where you and your family, your kids, moms and dad, the whole bit, you guys go to a restaurant, and there's hurt feelings with one of the group, you know, your, your members in your party. And uh, there's an immediate reduction in eye contact. There's uh, maybe snarky, you know, comments. Uh, you can tell there's not unity in the family around the dinner table. And sometimes uh, the tension, as they say, is so thick you can cut it with a knife. Uh, or maybe you've experienced that kind of tension at family holidays Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, these kinds of things. It's really obvious when, when we're out of unity and the disagreements, like if, if I don't agree with you, you got to be mad at me. And if you don't agree with me, then I got to be mad at you because after all, I'm looking for people to agree with me. And if you agree with me, I'm happy. And if you don't, mm, I'm going to separate. There's going to be real social distancing uh, sometimes there's something inside of us, we, we do that. We reflexively separate from people that threaten us or don't agree with us because we like to be a part of things. Well, if you have lived through those events when sometimes at the family dinner table or a family holiday or, there's, or there, those wonderful family vacations when there's a good old family fight and the disunity can destroy a vacation, can ruin the spirit of a dinner when there's disunity. I want you to understand something. Paul is saying that when we really get how, how we're accepted by Jesus and how we should therefore accept each other, that brings us together at the dinner table so that the conversation is, is, is pleasant and it breathes life. And, it, and it's about unity. It's about the things that are truly essential. And guess what? When you listen to this, when you read the text, a lot is said, have you noticed? A lot of, is said about singing. You get that? How many times? Singing, praises, give praise, worship, giving glory to God for mercy. This is about worship. And I tell you what, if you think a family vacation stinks because mom and dad have a stupid fight in front of the kids on a family vacation and that ruins the spirit of things, you know what else stinks? When Christians have a big fight and they can't sing together in the worship center. A few are singing over here and they're wondering, what's going on? Oh, <laughs> and they're trying to do their little worship thing and the division in the body of Christ that's awful. It's not healthy. And when we, when we get the heart of acceptance, you ready for this? Are you listening, Christ Church? When we get the heart of acceptance, we get the heart of worship. 
And we can start singing together. And it doesn't matter about the food and, and the holy days on the calendar. What matters is singing with one voice and one mind to appreciate fully what God has accomplished in us through the cross of Jesus. That's what matters. And because of that, we can start accepting each other and we can start, start accepting people who don't agree with us about a lot of things. Jesus Christ is the most unifying force that I am aware of. All right. Uh, Philip, uh, or Stephen, is there anything else? Tiffany Bradbury. Uh, welcome, August, by the way, to the world. <laughs> welcome, um, August. Grandma and Grandpa are here, too. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany writes, I read a post that said that while we come from a place of privilege, we may not understand, but we can stand with them. That's what Jesus would have done, is stand with the oppressed, and we need to do the same. Yeah, that's um, good, Tiffany. Justin Allison writes, most of us are Gentiles. The story of our <laughs> faith is that we were outsiders who have been brought into God's Jewish people. That means we should be ready to identify with and love outsiders. Mm. We were outsiders who have been brought near, loved. Mm. Thank you, Justin. Here's the Greek text, Justin, in honor of you, by the way. <laughs> I think this is absolutely... A brilliant way to understand this thing that we as Christians call the Lord's Supper. The communal meal, the sacred communal meal of Christians, also known as a love feast, by the way. And how ironic is that? That love is patient and love is kind. That we experience and we, we cherish the love of God that's revealed for God so loved the world. This is something that we, we experience. And actually, for Paul, breaking bread together embodies the command to accept one another as Jesus Christ has accepted us. Justin, you are correct. I'm a Gentile. I don't deserve to be at the table of my very Jewish Messiah. I don't deserve to be at his table. And yet, he says, I am welcome. Praslambano, I am welcome at the table. Uh, that is a gift of mercy. And so this Gentile can give praise to God for mercy, something I don't deserve. By the way, uh, for those that, that the Holy Spirit may use this, as I understand it, mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. Mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. And grace is God giving me what I don't deserve. And it is mercy and grace that are made real here at the Lord's Supper. If you could prepare your elements as a family, if you're by yourself, get ready. This embodies what Paul means in Romans fifteen seven is that we have been accepted by Christ, so we accept each other. So can I give you a word of caution right now? Uh, please don't take the Lord's Supper uh, in some 
flippant, cheap kind of way. Uh, check your relationships, you know. Is your heart set at a place where you're grateful for mercy and so you're grateful that you have an opportunity to, ex- to extend mercy and acceptance? If it is, then take the Lord's Supper with all your heart, okay? Um, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul records that what he has received, he passes on to the churches. That in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat, all of you. Let me pray and we'll take the bread. Abba Father, thank you. This bread symbolizes your broken body for us and it is proof that you have accepted us. We eat now in remembrance of you and your great gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Please, let's eat together. In the same way, in like manner, Jesus took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It symbolizes my death. It symbolizes the blood that covers all our sins and symbolizes his great love for us. Let me pray and let's take the cup together. Abba Father, thank you that forgiveness is realized in your son's death and it is through his blood that we have the forgiveness of our trespasses and you have moved us out of the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved son for you so loved the world you gave your son father thank you i ask your blessing now on this in jesus name amen let's take the cup together and worship As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we tell the death story of Jesus. Thank you, Christ Church, for being a part of this. Um, thank you, Mary Jordan, Sue Nelson, and so many others. I want to pray and get our hearts ready because this is what we're going to do. The Gentiles get to sing praise. I'm a Father, thank you right now that your acceptance is real and it's unconditional and we have a place at the table because of your son Jesus and we Gentiles get to sing and show you that we are grateful for your mercy. Bless now, please, in the name of your son Jesus. Amen.